All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, if you don't have that app, it's a great time at the beginning of the year to get it um, and begin to use it, get the announcements, kind of interact with that thing. It's pretty cool. Um, but Ruth chapter 1, that's where we're going to be at today. Um, we're starting a brand new series called From Ruin to Redemption. Now, before I tell you what the series is about... Let me ask you a question. I need everybody to participate. This is an all skate. Um, and it's an easy question, all right? How many of you have ever in your vehicle been stuck in the snow? H- how many people? That's mostly everybody. Now I know there's a, we're Carol, Iowa. There's a redneck in here that I've never been stuck in nothing. I get it. Cool. Not, not me. I'm, I'm not you. Um, we were coming back from Indy. Um, on Christmas Day, and uh, I'm not kidding you, on I-80, I bet in a 10-mile stretch, we saw at least 50 cars, trucks, and semis that were stuck on the side of the road in the ditch or in the median that had slid off the road while they were trying to get through the snowstorm that happened a couple days prior. Now, there were no people in the car, like they had abandoned their vehicles, but they would stuck. All of us would agree that being stuck sucks, Right? Last year, I think I, maybe I've told you this story before. Um, last last year was my first winter um, with my Jeep. I'd always been a truck guy, always had trucks, and I got talked into buying a Jeep, which I love, by the way. Um, but I was thinking, this is not my Jeep, um, but I was thinking it would be cool to do that, to drive up on a snow pile and take a picture and put it on Facebook, because that's what people with Jeeps do. It's a Jeep thing that I still don't understand. Anyway, I started up one. And I hit like a pocket of nothing and like slammed down into the pavement and I was stuck. I tried everything I could to get unstuck. I put that thing in four low. I'm like trying to rock it back and forth. I'm neutral dropping that thing. I'm doing everything and I cannot get unstuck. I get out. The snow is coming down. I don't have a shovel. I'm out with my hands trying to dig myself out. I cannot, it's like icy. And so it's all, it's like packing more as I'm trying to do it and I can't get out. And so long story short, I did something that I never, ever, ever, ever would have wanted to do. I had to call my kid with his two-wheel drive pickup truck to come pull me out, which is another message for another time that I'm sure he would love to tell you about. But don't you, don't you feel helpless when you get stuck? Like when you're stuck in something and I mean, wouldn't you just, don't you get desperate and wouldn't you just do anything at all to get unstuck? Now, the reason I ask that is because all of us, or the majority of us, have probably been stuck in the car, in the mud, or the snow, or whatever, but that's not the kind of stuck I want to talk about today. I want to talk to the people or the person here that you feel stuck spiritually. Like, you feel spiritually stuck, and, and not like in a good way. Like, you're not spiritually stuck in a, in a good spot. You, you just, you're like... Just like I I didn't want to be stuck on the snow pile, just like people traveling for Christmas didn't want to get stuck in the ditch. Like, that's not where we wanted to be. That wasn't our destination. But when we got there, we got stuck there. And there are some people here today, like, like you're at church, but you're stuck spiritually. I mean, you're stuck doing some stuff that you said you would never do. You're, You're stuck in a place you thought you would never be. And you feel like, this is where I am. I'm stuck, and there's absolutely no way out. And if that's you, you came to the right place. Because I get it. I've been there. I've been at the place where I said I would never be doing things I said I would never do. And the best place, or the best word when you get to that place, the best word to describe your life at that place is a mess. I'm stuck and my life is a mess. Now, 
In this series, we're going to take the next five or six weeks, and we're going to walk through the book of Ruth. And I'm going to tell you that today, today you can take your first step out of ruin and into redemption. That you might feel stuck, but you don't have to stay stuck. You might be stuck, but you can step out of a mess and into a miracle. We're going to see that in this series. I think this is a great way for us to start out 2023. So, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel. Now that's a specific time period in Israel. In fact, um, you can read all about it in a book called Judges. If you like movies like Braveheart and Gladiator, how many of you love those movies? You will love the book of Judges. Like there is some fascinating stuff in there. It is awesome. So in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. Now let me talk about that for a second, because I can't identify with that in regards to what we go through today, what it says in that text. Like, like, like us, fortunately, us in America, like we, we've never had to live through something like this. Now I know there's been the Great Depression, but come on, we didn't live through that. Famine. Famine is like no food. Famine is like the crops aren't growing. There's no prospect for food. There's no food anywhere. There's no high V. There's no board and arrows. There's no anything. A famine is a famine. I have never had to go through a famine. Thank Jesus. Like I get hungry if I go without food for two hours. Like when that happens, I get hangry. Anybody else? Yeah, that's like the majority of us. How many of you have been stuck in hangry? And anyway, now we've experienced something like a famine, sort of, kind of. Remember a couple of years ago? Remember a couple of years ago when COVID hit? When COVID hit, we had a famine of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Remember that? You couldn't find either one. And there were people stockpiling hand sanitizer. Remember these stories? Selling this stuff for like $1,000 a bottle on eBay and Amazon. And the federal authorities came in and like shut those people down and did stuff. That's the closest to a famine that we've ever been. But I can't imagine what it's like in this text. Because here's what I can only speculate. When you've got no food, when you've got no hope of food, When you're super hungry and there's no prospect to get anything to eat, you get desperate. And how many of you know that desperate people make dumb decisions? I mean, I have never one time met anyone who said, man, I got desperate. As soon as I got desperate, I started making better decisions. Uh Uh-uh. Desperate people make dumb decisions, including me. Listen, 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 listen. Here's what you really need to know. If you're going to come to this church, like if Central Church is going to be your home church, like this is going to be the church you buy into, here's one thing you need to understand about Pastor Ryan. I am never, ever, ever preaching at you or to you. This isn't a you thing. This is like a we thing. I am in this, and I am the king of being desperate and making dumb decisions. That's where you should have amen, both of you right there. Like, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Listen, not because I read about it, not because somebody told me about it, but because I've lived it. And so the situation in this text is set up for somebody to do something dumb and desperate. And it happens. It happens because watch this. It goes on to say this. So a man from Bethlehem, Bethlehem, he was from Bethlehem. Quick question. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. Went to Moab. Went to Moab. Now here's something you need to know. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's called the Torah. It's the law. 
Jewish people lived by the law. Orthodox Jews today still live by that book, the Torah. And in the Torah, in the law, it specifically said, you cannot go to Moab. You don't go to this place. Do not go to Moab. And if you do go to Moab, you don't mix with the people in Moab. You don't talk to the people. You don't associate with the people in Moab. And then if you do do that and you start getting comfortable, you don't marry Moabite people. The Moabite people... We're those people. Don't talk to those people. Don't go near those people. We stay away from those people. I don't want you around those people. Like, stay away. They were those people. They were nothing like the Jewish people. The Jewish people, according to everything that we put together, that we read, that we can summarize, they were good people. The Moabite people were not good people. Man, they were jacked up. Now, I know in today's culture, you can't say somebody's not good. You don't know what was going on in their lives, Pastor Ryan. Maybe they were struggling. No, 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 no. These people, the Moabite people, if their crops didn't grow, they threw their kids in the fire. That's jacked up, yes or no? Now, I don't care how good you try to be, you start chucking your kids in the fire, you are messed up, right? Like, that, that's not good. They worshipped pagan gods. Nobody had a good Moab story. It's like, it's like, think about it like this. This has been fun all morning. I've loved this. For those of you who have ever been to Florida on spring break, going to Moab was kind of like they went to the country of Daytona Beach during their spring break. Let me tell you this. This is what's been fun. Teenagers, how many teenagers are in here? How many kids sitting with your parents? Your parents have a spring break beach story they've never told you about themselves. That's why they're freaking out about you going to the beach on spring break this year. That'll be good lunch conversation. They never told you. And, and when you leave here, while I'm on it, when you leave here, they're going to say, that ain't true. That ain't true. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan's not telling the truth. That ain't true. It's absolutely true. Press them on it. Just do it. See what happens. Anyway, they went to Moab. All the parents are like, yo, I'm going to kill you. They went to Moab. You're not supposed to go to Moab. And here's the deal. I will bet you years before this, if you were to ask this guy, will you ever go to Moab? Nope. I'll never go there. Why not? This bad stuff happening there. I'm not supposed to go there. It's a sin to go there. I'm not going to go to Moab. But he gets desperate. And when we get desperate, we do dumb things. What did he do? He left Bethlehem. He walked away. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And so don't miss this. He walks away from the place that Jesus is ultimately going to be born. And he goes to a place he said he would never go. A place of ruin. And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody, like you're in a place. You said you would never be doing things you said you would never do. You've gone to Moab. And I don't want you to feel alone. Because I've been there. I have. Goes on to say this, verse 2. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. Now, if you're looking for a good baby name, unless you're like a Star Trek fan, sounds like Klingons, right? This, this ain't it. I mean, it's, I know everyone's like, I'm going to look in the Bible and find a good baby name. Nuh-uh. Malon and Kilion, stay away. Because Malon means sick. Kilion means dying. That'd be weird, right? Check your kid into kids' church. They get the little name tag. What, what's your kid's name? Well, this one's sick. <laughs> this is twin brother dying. Watch out. He's going to bite you in the butt. Like, it's messed up. 
Now, there's significance to, the, to names. We're going to talk about these throughout the series. Um, Naomi means sweetheart. That's really cool. Elimelech, though, the dad, the literal meaning of Elimelech is God is king. That's a cool name. But you would think that a guy whose name is God is king would live like God is king, wouldn't you? But don't miss this. Not only does he walk away from God, he leads people away from God, which is crazy to me because his name is God is king. This goes against, I've heard people say, and if you say this, please stop saying it. I've heard people say, well, if you're a Christian, if you're really a Christian, like if you really love Jesus, you'll never walk away. Really? What do you do with Peter? Was Peter a Christian? Yes or no? Yeah, some of you don't know. I'll ask you again in a second. Peter, Jesus walks up to Peter and says, hey, Peter, who do people say I am? He says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Is Peter a Christian? Yes or no? (laughs) Some of you still don't know. (laughs) What does Peter do? What does Peter do on the night when Jesus was betrayed, when he was crucified? What did he do? He walked away, didn't he? If anybody's a Christian, I'm going to tell you this, Peter's on the list, yes or no? Yes. See, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to make bad decisions. Elimelech, God is king. He's in Bethlehem. He's close to God, but he walks away. And I would bet that there are some people in this room that there was a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are right now, but you walked away. And you went to a place you said you would never go, and you began doing things, and right now you're doing stuff that you said you would never do, and you feel stuck. It's the mentality of Moab, of I'm here, I'm stuck, there's nothing I can do, I might as well stay this way. And some of you are thinking, Happy New Year, this is a really, really encouraging message. Don't worry, it gets worse. They, they were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, They settled there. They settled there. You ever settled? Have you? Have you ever settled? Like I can see this conversation almost happening in my head. Hey, we we don't have any food. What are we going to do? I I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe there's food in Moab. Should we go to Moab? No, we shouldn't go to Moab. Moab's not a good place. Yeah, but there might be food there. It's going to take us a long time to get there. Yeah, but there's probably food, so let's start going. And slowly, they start making the journey to Moab. See, that's what happens when we walk away from God. We, we just slowly drift away. It happens gradually. The first step away from God is a small step, followed by probably another small step, which leads to a bigger step and another step. And eventually you're on a full out sprint away from God. I know a lot of people who over COVID, we just kind of drifted away from God because there wasn't an opportunity to gather together as believers and we began to make excuses when it was time to come back. It was easier to drift. Before we knew it, like we were here and all of a sudden we're over here. And when we get over here, we settled. Listen to me. It's time to stop settling and come back to God. Because I could bet you in this Moab conversation, I could bet you it was like, hey, we're going to Moab. We're not going to stay very long. We're just going to wait till this whole famine thing blows over. And once it's over, we're coming back. But they got there and they settled. It's kind of like the person that says, I know I have a bad habit, but I can quit anytime I want. Really? Here's something I know about having a bad habit. You do want to quit. You just feel stuck. 
And so if you feel stuck today, I'm not here to try to push you further down into the mud. I'm telling you, there's a way to get out, but it starts with not settling. We can't settle for stuff, right? We're not supposed to settle. We are not supposed to settle if we're followers of Jesus Christ. And the good news is, we don't have to. We do not have to settle. But I get it. Sometimes we get in certain situations and we do things that we said we would never do in a place where we said we would never go and we just think, I'll settle here. I'll settle here because it's just easier. And listen, once again, the mentality of Moab is, oh, I guess this is who I am. I guess this is the way things are. Why well, change? I can't change. And when we get like that, we feel stuck. Stuck in Moab. Now, that's all bad, but like I said, it gets worse. Verse 3, then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. Now, that's got to be bad. You're in a foreign land. You don't know anybody. You got your husband. He's maybe like your sole source of income. Like, he's the family leader, and he took you there, and now he's dead and leaves you with just your two sons. And then keep in mind that the Israelites were told, don't go there. It's a sin. Don't, don't be around the Moabites. Don't mix. Don't mingle. Don't talk with the Moabites. Especially don't marry the Moabite women. Listen to me. That was a direct command from God. That wasn't a man-made rule. It was a sin to marry a woman from Moab. We on the same page with this? Everybody with me? It was a sin. Keep that in mind. It was a what? A sin. Verse 4. The two sons married Moabite women. Parents, you ever dealt with that with your kids? Tell them not to do something and then they do it. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. Don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. Ah, it's hot. (laughs) I told you, idiot. Quit acting like your dad. (laughs) Parents, you ever notice, you ever notice we blame the other person? You, You ever notice that? See, like, think about that. If the kid does great, oh, he takes after me. Kid does something dumb, just like a daddy. I'm going to do a parenting message real soon, and we're going to go over that probably. Probably not. I have too many stories. Anyway, don't marry Moabite women. Don't marry Don't do it. Direct command from God. It's from God. But what do you do when you're in Moab? You forget God's word. You forget what God said, or you ignore it. When you get stuck... You forget God's word or you ignore it. Me personally, here's my first confession of 2023. I've never really forgotten it. I've just chose to not pay attention to it. Married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpha. The other married a woman named Ruth. That's going to be important. We're going to come back to that. What's her name? Ruth. So the husband died. Two sons get married. Everything's about to even out. Maybe we're going to kind of get some status back up. Maybe we can start getting kind of on the same page. Maybe we can start going to parties and interacting or whatever. And then watch this. About 10 years later, verse 5, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons or her husband. Now, let me say this, acknowledge this. Death is hard, isn't it? Like when somebody you love dies, like what do you do when someone dies? You, you grieve. You go through this process. Like it, it, it stinks. It's hard. But can you imagine how Naomi felt? 
Can you imagine she lost her husband, but she still got her two sons and things are maybe okay. And then 10 years later, both of her sons die. And now she's stuck. Think about this. She's stuck with two people that she was never supposed to identify with in the first place. And maybe somebody here, that's your situation. You're stuck in a situation you never thought you'd be in. You're stuck around people that you never thought you'd be with and you don't know what to do. Listen, I get it. I've been there. It sucks. But just because you're there doesn't mean you have to stay there. Because this next part, this word gets good. Verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab, heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving him good crops again. There's a miracle in this verse. And if you don't see it, don't feel bad because for years I didn't see it. It's hard because of the culture we live in to see it. But the Bible says Naomi heard in Moab. She heard in Moab. Listen, she was as far away from God, both geographically and spiritually, as you could get. There was no social media. There's no 24-hour news networks. There's no cell phone. There's no newspaper. How did she hear in Moab? There's no TikTok video. There's no billboard. How could Naomi hear in Moab that God was up to something? Here's the miracle. It's because God is relentless when he pursues us. He's relentless. He's not reckless. All right. I, I like that song, Reckless Love, but, but, but that's not a good word to use to describe God. God is, is not out of control. God is in control and he relentlessly pursues us. I'm sure if you were to ask that guy, he would love to use a, a different word, but it didn't rhyme or lyrically doesn't match up or, or whatever. But relentless. God is relentless when he pursues us. And he pursues us not to push us down, but to pull us up. Because God wants you to know, even though a mistake got you to Moab, he can still do miracles in our lives if we'll admit, I don't want to live in Moab anymore. That's not where I want to be. The, the miracle is that she heard. She heard that God was doing something miraculous. And she heard because God was so intentional in pursuing her. Because he had greater plans for her than she could ever imagine. You see, the myth is God can only use good people. If that were true, God would use nobody. Because nobody, honestly, is really any good. None of us, every one of us, have either been in Moab, were in Moab, or be careful if you get too judgmental, because you'll wind up there. L listen to me. God, just like he relentlessly was pursuing Naomi, he is relentlessly pursuing you. He's telling you, you don't have to live that way anymore. You might be stuck, but you serve a savior who guarantees you're not stuck. And even though that's the way things are, that's not the way God wants you to be. I know what it's like. L listen, I know what it's like to feel miserable in Moab, but I know if God can speak to Naomi in Moab, then God will speak to me, whatever situation I'm stuck in. And I know that God can speak to anybody in this room and tell you that your mistakes do not disqualify you for the plans he has for you. You just have to be willing to admit, this is not where I want to live. This is not where I want to be. I don't want to be stuck in Moab. Because watch what happens. This is so awesome. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready. Everybody say, got ready got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. I, I can just see this. Naomi's in Moab, and she hears that God's at work over in Bethlehem, and, and she says, hey girls, I'm going home. I'm leaving. 
I'm going to walk straight out of Moab, out of this mess, because God's doing something miraculous over there. And while I don't know what plans he has for me, although I don't know what's going on, I know that the miracle in Bethlehem is greater than the mess in Moab. So girls, get ready. We're stepping out of this place. How are we going to get there? One step at a time. One step at a time, because it's a process. Listen, girls, we didn't get into into this mess overnight. We're not going to get out of this mess overnight. But you know what? Every step we take towards Bethlehem is a step away from Moab. And so I'm going to take another step. And I'm going to take another step. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to take another step. And I'm going to get closer to the miracle and further away from the mess. Because God will lead us step by step as we daily surrender to him. He wants to take us from the mess to the miracle. He wants to lead us from ruin to redemption. Now I know some of you are like, Ryan, I I get it. I hear you. But I messed up too bad. Well, I get that. But you know that God could take your messiest, worst mistake and still use it for his good and his glory? Think about this just for a second. One of Naomi's daughter-in-laws was named Orpha. The other was named who? Ruth. This is the book of Ruth was a Moabite woman, right? A Moabite woman who we're going to see over the next several weeks is led to redemption. Because see, Ruth comes back to Bethlehem and she eventually marries a guy named Boaz. Her and Boaz get married. They have a son named Obed. Obed and his wife get married. They have a son named Jesse. Jesse and his wife get married. They have a son named David. That would be King David, the little kid who fought Goliath David, King of Israel David, one of the greatest kings who's ever lived, David. And if you follow that lineage all the way down, in fact, Matthew chapter 1 shows us the lineage of Jesus. There are four women in total named in the lineage of Jesus. One of them, want to guess her name? Ruth, the Moabite woman. The sinful mistake woman. God still used it, redeemed it. And today there's a book of the Bible named after her. And so today I want you to listen to me. If God could take that kind of mess and turn it into a miracle. If he did it then, he can do it again. If he did it for her, he can do it for us. Nothing is impossible. We have just got to say, you know what? We got to get ready. Because I don't want to live in Moab anymore. Verse 7 says this. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back. Lead them back back. Lead them back to Judah. I don't have a plan. All I know is I'm getting out of Moab, just getting, getting out of here and heading back, heading back to God. What's the plan? I don't know. I'm coming out. This is what I know. I've lost everything here. Everything here is a mess. Over there is a miracle. I don't want to be in the mess. I want to be in the miracle. So I'm going to take one step closer. That's my prayer for all of us rolling into the new year. That there'll be people in this church who say, you know what, if God could do it for Ruth and Ryan, if you're telling me God can do that for me, that's what I want for myself. I'll I'll finish this message like this. We just finished up the Christmas season. (laughs) Easter is going to be here before you know it. I just reserved the soccer fields on Friday for the egg drop. We're talking about food and we're talking about order. We got to order more egg. We're doing all that. We're like gearing up for Easter already. And you say, what's that have to do with this text? Easter is all in this text. Because just like Elimelech left Bethlehem and went to Moab to be around people who were nothing like him, Jesus left heaven and came to earth to be around people that were nothing like him. Just like Elimelech spent time in the land of Moab, Jesus... Spent time here on earth. And just like Elimelech and Naomi suffered death and dying in Moab, Jesus suffered death and dying when he was crucified on the cross. 
But just like Ruth and Naomi came out of Moab, came out of a messy situation, Jesus, when he was put in the tomb on a Friday in a completely messy situation, having been crucified, three days later, the word of God comes to Jesus and says, son, it's time to get up and step out and be an example to the world that because you're alive, they can be alive. And so listen, don't miss this. If Ruth came out of Moab, if Jesus came out of the tomb, you can come out of any situation that you're stuck in. You don't have to lose hope. You don't have to lose peace. You don't have to lose joy. You might have lost it, but you can get it back again because we have a risen Savior who says you don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus can bring you from ruin to redemption. We need as a church to celebrate the fact that we don't have to live in a place where we feel stuck. We can live in a place filled with anticipation and celebration. So So church, get ready and anticipate what God is going to do next. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of your people here. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. Maybe you feel like this message is for you. And maybe you would say, Pastor Ryan, I feel stuck. Like I'm in Moab. I'm in a place I don't want to be doing things I don't want to be doing, and I don't want to live this way anymore. If that's you, I want to acknowledge you. I want to, I want to pray for you this morning. And so if that's you, if you would say that, put your hand up. I want you to just put your hand up right now, because I just want to pray for you. Put your hand up. God, thank you for every hand that is raised. God, thank you for hands that aren't raised, but you're doing a work in their lives. <laughs> you started something, Jesus, through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we would know that even though we're stuck, that because of our Savior, we can step out of Moab and closer to the miracle, that you will lead us from ruin to redemption, that you will guide our steps. Head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you raised your hand and you're like, you know what, Ryan, I'm glad you prayed for me, but I'd really love to have a conversation with somebody. I want somebody to pray with me or for me, and I want to know how to take my next step. Well, Mike's going to lead us in a song, and as he leads us in the song, there'll be people in the back corners of the sanctuary who will do just that, pray with you or for you, have a conversation with you. And I want you to feel freedom to go back there. If you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus in your life, like you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you know that's the next step for you, Now I'd like to help you do that today. If you'd like to receive Jesus in your life, acknowledge that you're a sinner, that that you need his salvation, then I would invite you to, to pray this prayer. Just right where you sit, you can just pray in your heart. You can say it out loud if you want. But you just need to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave. And I believe you did that to pay for my sin. So right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in. Take complete control. All of me for all of you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my God. Be my King. Be my Savior. Save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Save me for all of eternity. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the work that you did that I don't have to. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.
Head still by and eyes still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, would you shoot your hand up real quick? Shoot it up high because we want to pray for you. We want to celebrate you. Father, we thank you for those hands. Father, we celebrate that people in this church prayed this morning, all morning long, to receive you in your life. And I pray that they would know that, that, that they just, that they stepped over from the old, from, from the old to the new. Even more importantly, from death to life. Jesus, I thank you for this place, a place where we can experience life change. We can experience you, Jesus, working in our lives. And Father, I pray that everybody here would be filled with joy, would be filled with peace, would be filled with hope, and would be filled with love. If you raised your hand and and you received Jesus this morning, we would love to know. I ask you that during this song, you could go to the back corners and talk to somebody about that so we could help you with next steps. Stop at the welcome desk on your way out. Let somebody there know. So again, we can get you plugged in with next steps. But, but, but let us know because we want to celebrate with you. We really do want to celebrate life change with you here in this church and help you. God, I pray over these next several moments as we sing together, as we worship you, that you would continue to move in the hearts of your people here in this church by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.